1: Welcome, welcome, welcome. you listen to the Ask Brian Radio Show on KGS 1220 in 98.1 or 10. Like no, other station in the world. Anyway, you're listening to the Ask Brian Radio Show. Ask Brian Radio basically is a business-oriented show. Each week, we try to have either a startup company or CEO or someone that can teach someone something about business. And that's what the Ask Brian Show is all about. It's been on since 2017, January, you know, way back when, when we had the Pony Express. Everybody asks us all the time on the Ask Brian Radio Show, why are you using the letter E? Last week, Tracy answered that question because the engineer was, you know, gets too dumbfounded and doesn't know what's going on and gets all confused. So we thought we'd let somebody else try. But, you know, Tracy's not going to be with us this week. So we are going to go back to the engineer. And, you know, we know that engineer starts with an E, but
2: why do you spell Brian with an E? Well, you know why? There, there's a number of E words that have to do with kind of like the theme of Ask Brian. One of them happened to be engineer, but, you know, he took that aspect away from me because he knows that's my favorite word. Another word. Well, let's start with the first word that's not engineer, uh, empathy. Empathy, we're oh, all very emp- Very
1: empathetic to all those monkeys. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Terrible. The next one we have is effort because everybody here gives 110% their effort on the Ask Brian show. How can you give more than 100%? it's i don't know go reach beyond your limits i guess (laughs) go beyond um (laughs) other ones we have are um excellence because we exude nothing but excellence here on the Aspirine radio show another one we have happens to be let's see we had effort engineer empathy excellence experts because uh everybody here on the Aspirine show is an expert in some sort of field that we have kind of differs every single week but we do bring on everyone except for the engineer but go ahead Easy there, partner, easy. (laughs) Hey, easy. Anyways, aren't there two happen to be ones that... Well, there's two, but I've added a a third one because it's all part of the same thing. Let's get enthusiastic
1: and be excited because you got a lot of
2: energy. That's a pretty good one, actually. Those are pretty similar to each other. All right, sweet. Well, everyone,
1: as Tracy won't be here, it'll be just myself, and I guess we'll be making you know, our usual... uh, Great comments from the uh, guy who thinks he's an
2: engineer and sits across me.
1: But without any further
2: ado, how do you spell "adieu"? A D I E U. Why do I like that word? Because majority of those letters are vowels. And? And well, except for the D. Because
1: most people don't use that word. Oh, well, that too. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> what a little old-fashioned. So we old have old our fashion. guest, and his name
3: is Bill. So. Bill, are you there? I am. Thank you for that wonderful introduction. That was wonderful.
1: You have a long last name. It took me like two minutes. <laughs> well,
3: it was long for you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, you were on the show once before, but not everyone listened to every show because there are some stragglers out there that don't get to listen to every show. And, you know, we're calling them out right now, but not too many people know your background. What is your background? I know you're some, you mentioned something that you're in the food industry, but I don't know what that means other than the fact that, you know, I like to eat those, you know, those goldfish and ramen noodles, but I don't know. What, what exactly business are you in?
3: Well, so Albany Farms, I'm CEO of Albany Farms, we're a food company. We were launched in 2017 and uh, with the purpose of being a significant distributor of food products to primarily retail chains across the U.S. And my background, I've been in the food industry and in retail and in international business my entire career. I left college for an opportunity to own my own bread distribution business. I owned a, uh, a route, if you will, and uh, was bitten by the entrepreneurial bug from that point forward. I've been involved in launching brands like, uh, let's see, Snapple Iced Tea, Crystal Geyser Waters, Krispy Kreme Donuts, I had a fair amount of success in those industries. And so we launched uh, Albany Farms in 2017 and we have, uh, we're very fortunate to, to have a terrific team of people involved in the group, which is what is needed in our industry to be successful. We have some uh, long-term industry professionals, and pretty much everybody is more capable than myself, which as a CEO I think is uh, crucial. And I feel very blessed from that uh, in that regard. So uh, we're currently uh, – we've uh, launched approximately a year and a half ago a ramen noodle, 18 different SKUs that people might find in uh, uh, some of the largest or one of the largest retailers in the world. We've launched on the West Coast with the ramen products. We've had significant success, and we will, in the next four years, be one of the largest food companies in the country. That's a target of ours, and that's a realistic one. So we're, we have very lofty aspirations, and we're working hard toward that and very excited to be in that position.
1: I'm not trying to stump you, but, you know, I do that all the time. So you said you're in the ramen noodle business right now, okay? We are. And you said you wanted to be one of the biggest food companies in the world. Do you have any statistics to know the sales volume of ramen noodles compared to other products?
3: Absolutely. So ramen noodles is a $28 billion a year industry. It's growing annually at about 2.5%. It's one of the larger growth items in the food category. We've had a particularly – it's been an interesting past year for us. At the same time, we launched with this significant retailer. We also, you know, the whole COVID thing hit us as like it did everybody else. And because we're currently importing our product, that created some significant challenges, and not the least of which is, you know, finding containers and finding transportation and the costs that are associated with that. So it's been a very trying year. But we made a decision, and we're very proud of that, to... Provide a significant amount of ramen products in the U.S. that might not have otherwise been available. And ramen is one of those categories that you know a lot of people that can't afford you know to go to the Whole Foods or you know places like that. You know they rely on that cheaper product for a meal. And so we made a decision during COVID to continue on and provide a significant amount of product, even though from a financial perspective it was challenging because we were facing significant container costs to import product. There weren't people working at ports. There was a lack of. Equipment. It was just very, very challenging, but we decided to do it anyway, and we're very proud of the fact that, you know, in a, in a very trying time, we're coming out of it now, but in a very trying time, we were able to provide that product for a lot of folks that may not have had that otherwise.
1: I was very surprised. You're telling me $28 billion dollars?
3: $28 billion. That yeah, it's a, a huge lot. category. That is a huge,
1: yeah. huge, huge category.
3: And it's expected to grow further, you know, in the next five, six, seven years. I mean, it's not just because it's being consumed a lot. It's not just because of COVID that people are looking for quick, easy meals that are easy to prepare. And, and so it's skyrocketed recently, but it's going to continue. And also not just in the, you know, the lower end category, but also from a flavor perspective with, you know, a very spicy noodles are very popular with the younger generations and, and there's just a significant growth. Uh, now, at the same time, one of our passions is to create a healthier product. So we're going to tweak and work on formulations to create a ramen noodle that's a little bit healthier than what you might find uh, available now. And we're, we're working toward that as we speak. Are we referring
1: to whole wheat? Are we referring to uh, gluten-free? Uh, you know.
3: Yeah, great question. So, yeah, gluten-free is, is one area. A higher protein profile is another Lower sodium. Sodium is a major issue with ramen because to get that significant flavor, you know, typically there's a, the sodium profile is egregious. So we're working on that as well for, for different options. We've got research and development department and different folks that, that are working together to create a, a healthier product. So the, the higher the protein, the lower the sodium, uh, different noodle presentations, you know, whether that's the plant-based or otherwise. There's lots of ways that we're approaching this. And our target and what we are going to accomplish is a certainly a healthier product than what's been available for the last 20, 25 years. Oh, what about a low-carb? Low-carb is possible, too. Now, that depends on the type of noodle. It's, that's where that comes from. And there are many uh, options from that, uh, plant-based options that can accomplish that. Our initial target is going to be the sodium content and the protein because people that are consuming this ramen noodle, you know, we want it to be a true meal, not just empty calories that you're consuming. So that's one of our passions. Now, at the same time, you know, we have to be cognizant of the marketplace and what people are willing to pay for a, you know, a ramen noodle. So we're always, you know, conscious and aware of pricing as well. So our company is built around significant volume and low margin with a great quality product. That's what we're built around, and and that's why we've had such significant interest from a number of, well, actually the largest retail chains in the world.
1: What's the uh, average uh, retail cost of, of, of the Roman noodles?
3: Well, it can be as low as uh, what we call a pillow pack or a pouch. That can be as low as 20 or $0.25 cents, uh, for a single unit. And for the cups, could be uh, between 35 and $0.50 cents, uh, a unit. It uh, depends on, you know, where you're at. But, yeah, they're very inexpensive, and, and a lot of people consider those meals. And so, you know, our passion is to keep our costs down as much as possible, but by being aware and mindful of the fact that it needs to be, you know, a bit healthier product. And that's uh, that's what we're working on as well.
1: What about environmentally? You mentioned that they have the cups, right? So is anything being done on that area?
3: So we're one of the only companies that I'm aware of that offers a paper cup versus a styrofoam. Uh, Styrofoam obviously is horrible for the environment. It ends up usually in oceans and doesn't break down and ends up in... You know, marine life consumes that. And so uh, the paper is biodegradable. It's something that is, you know, really good for the environment. It's a little bit more pricey, but we feel that that's the better path to take, the better approach to take. In addition, we're looking at blockchain technology so that a consumer that purchases our product, they have the ability to see, you know, where everything that we touch to make our product is grown, where, you know, where, we, where the weed is harvested, you know, from our flavoring standpoint. We want to be truly transparent for consumers. And uh, that's why, you know, among many reasons why we believe we'll be one of the top two ramen brands in the country.
1: And who is, the, uh, who is your computer Comp?
3: Well, from a retail perspective, that would be Maruchan. There are two main competitors, Maruchan and Nissin Foods. Nissin would be more like a cup of noodles that people might recognize. Maruchan mostly is, in, is the retail competitor. And they do great, great companies that do great work. We're trying to uh, change the category a little bit. And not just, you know, clone what others have done. We're trying to, you know, create, produce and distribute products that people are going to come back for and realize that they're getting a great value. They're getting a great product. They're getting tremendous transparency with where the product comes from. And, you know, we've got a great team of partners in the company from investors to our staff. They're just incredible at what they do. And I feel very blessed from that regard. We're taking some significant steps to grow. We're bringing our production to the U.S. and across the country. And that's a significant uh, task. And But we've got such a strong team in place that we have that
4: opportunity.
1: Our co-host, Alex, had a couple of questions. Alex, are you there?
4: Yeah. Hey, thank you, uh, sir. Hey, Bill. Um, I just have a few questions for you. I want to take it more into the business side. I-, I love what you guys are doing. Of course, great products. But... Tell me more about, you know, I I know you have R&D. You mentioned that just a minute ago, and you have production. So how much has it helped you? You were talking about pricing. How much has it helped you to put in production lines to lower that cost, or have you done anything to automate production? And how do you go about doing R&D with these? Is there regulations that you follow, and how does that all work? Can you give our, our listeners a little bit of a taste of that? Absolutely. From a production standpoint, we're
3: only we're starting with production now. We're launching in California now, so we haven't started that yet. That should be in place in approximately eight weeks uh, with our wow. first facility with incredibly automated machinery. We'll have some of the fastest, most comprehensive machines in the marketplace. We have a second phase four months after that that will launch in South Dakota. We're working with the South Dakota Governor's Office and putting a program together there to launch in four. And approximately four months we will be in Belfouche, South Dakota. And that's in the wheat belt. So, you know, and we're a wheat-based company. So there's some significant advantages there. And then we're launching third phase East Coast slash Southeast. And we're looking at a few facilities in Georgia. So why would we want to do this in the U.S.? Why? Well, you know, not just from the control standpoint and, you know, knowing everything that is produced here. But it's... You know, we're in the wheat belt here. Flour, which is 90% of what we work with, is 35% cheaper here than it would be, say, for example, in Asia. You know, Asia is a net importer. We're a net exporter, meaning that everything that they use for production is imported and then they they use that for production. With us, it's grown and and using South Dakota as an example, it's literally going to be grown right at, I mean, right next to our facility. We're milling it ourselves and going into production. I mean, from a blockchain perspective, it can't get much more transparent than that. Uh, your second question regarding R&D, we have an R&D director, Stephanie Magoon, who is doing a tremendous amount of work, and we're working with some outside groups. And what we're doing is we're tinkering with formulations. We're tinkering with ways to create a healthier product. And that's not easy to do. It's not easy to lower the sodium. Uh, I'm sure the competition's tried to do that as well but we've had some success and we're working toward that. And we're real excited about that. And not the least of which, Alex, is we've got you know some of the largest retailers in the world that are supporting us in this endeavor. I think COVID's taught a lot of people that, especially in my industry, that you know importing is probably not the safest way to go, or maybe even the most viable way to go. And that's why you see empty shelves when you go into stores now, is because retailers are saying, whoops, yeah, that might not have been the way to approach. So you're going to see in in the future here we know this firsthand from some of the largest retailers a you know made in America grown in America uh, strategy and we play a large role or we play a role in that with uh, one in particular large retailer they're partnering with us for this endeavor they want made in the US and and we want to uh, provide that we think there's significant advantages to that and not the least of which is transparency.
1: Have you ever thought about using cauliflower noodles or other type of noodles? That was one of the questions Alex had,
3: so I took it from him. Well, absolutely we are, and we're, we're looking at that now. Uh, one of the things you've got to look at is shelf life, you know, because we're mainly in the shelf stable uh, space. And so we're looking at different uh, packaging options to have a significant shelf life. In our industry, you need to have at least six months of stable shelf life, you know, to benefit. So we're looking at that now. There are options and we're looking at it. And We also want to be very cognizant of the, the final retail price because consumers... As much as we love to talk about all these different things, consumers are still wary when they see something that's, uh, pricey. So it's a mixed bag to bring something like that to market. And it takes significant amount of R&D to get to that point. But our initial target is uh, certainly from a higher protein standpoint, a lower sodium. And then certainly we'll look at, uh, other noodle options, uh, which would include low main, which would include the fa noodle, fa noodle, which is a rice noodle, which, uh, they have their own different benefits and unique uh, taste profile. And we're real excited about that, and what I haven't talked a little bit about is what another thing that we're working on our entire team is from a flavoring standpoint we're looking more toward uh, you know very savory products, which is uh, incredibly hot in the market, especially with the younger generation and that's you know from the flaming scorching you know heat we're also looking at a sweet profile and and we'll you know, I, I uh, won't speak too much to it, but we're looking at unique ways to present uh, ramen
4: noodles to the market.
3: And additionally, we're looking at uh, channel mains and things like that.
4: Well, you know, Bill, I'll tell you, as, as Brian knows and most people know, I'm a startup guy. So in my world, we always had ramen as the staple of startups. So if you opened up the cabinet in all of our kitchen, there was nothing but ramen in there. Let's be honest. Absolutely. Right? I mean, and energy drinks. Ramen and energy right. drinks. That was, that was basically kept us all going. So the cost was always, uh, something we were concerned about. But we did have people who said, I have to watch my sodium intake. There were people who said, I wish I had a low carb option. There were, were people who, you're right. There were people who were putting red pepper and, you know, and hot sauce on ramen. So, yeah, you'd be surprised how that was mainly the younger generation. But, you know, programmers got to keep them going, whatever it takes to keep them working 24 seven. So kind of, kind of a mean thing. Another,
3: you know, interesting thing is that we get lots of folks that reach out to us and say, listen, we we use your ramen for a, a meal presentation. I mean, they'll You know, cook the ramen and put it with, you know, different uh, meats and different vegetables and actually present it on a plate, you know, and do it that way and top the noodles with all kinds of different, you know, whatever uh, family's favorite uh, toppings are. So there's lots that you can do with the product aside from just simply have, you know, the ramen as it sits. So and I think more and more people are discovering that, you know, it's very simple. It's very quick. And with Albany Farms, you're going to find a way, we're going to find a way to make it at least somewhat healthy as well.
1: How about macaroni and cheese? That's a nice low-income uh, concept. I remember <laughs> well, having, uh, going to the store and buying the Kraft uh, macaroni and cheese, three or four for a buck.
3: Well, That's funny you mention work, that. though. <laughs> it,
4: well,
3: well, it is. We're going to launch with macaroni and cheese out of uh, our South Dakota facility. And wow. the reason we're, do- yeah, we're doing that because uh, it's the wheat belt there. So obviously from a wheat perspective, which is flour, produces flour, we're right there. But also uh, there's a huge dairy cooperatives there. So, you know, we're doing a lot of good for the state of South Dakota. We're bringing a lot of jobs there. These are fresh jobs because we're currently importing. So we're bringing hundreds of jobs to local communities and uh, using resources and using, you know, our, our natural, our commodities here in the U.S. versus, you know, a lot of competitors and I'm not speaking to any in particular, they import a lot of their raw materials. And our plan is not to do that. So, you know, again, we're excited about that as well. But, you know, we're always going to be leaning toward a healthier product, healthier than the competition.
1: I have one question before Alex continues, and that is anytime, my understanding, anytime you bring stuff where you're going domestic, all right, the cost factor is the biggest issue. Why? Why? Labor costs are higher in the US than almost any other country in the world, maybe Europe, but is very high. And then, of course, uh, having the product. So maybe you don't have to pay the fee to import or the fee of a duty, but you still have higher costs all the way around. So, how do you compete with the important companies when you're trying to do that in the US?
3: Oh, that's a terrific question. Well, there are significant hurdles to importing and certainly in our category, but others as well. So, you know, the cost of containers are, you know, they've gone up tremendously in the past year and we don't see them going down. So there's an efficiency there. There's a transportation issue. There's a container ship issue. There's less container ships. A lot of these... Uh, Ocean carriers have downsized, and so there's less physical vessels, you know, on the waters now. It's trickier than it was in the past, that's for sure, and certainly more expensive. But in our category, we're wheat-based, and we happen to be, you know, one of the cheapest countries in the world for wheat happens to be here. And so we have some significant advantages there. And and what we have specifically, uh, another area that we're a big advantage is that our equipment is new, very automated, and very high speed. I've seen in other countries more than 100 employees for one machine, for an example. And and with ours, we're talking something closer to 25. So we tend to be very efficient. With our machinery, they tend to be very high speeds, so our output is better than, say, what the competitors might have because our equipment's, equipment is newer and certainly uh, from a speed variable, some of the quickest in the industry. So we feel like we're very competitive and we think it's the right thing to do as well. And so there might be, we don't see it, we still see it as a net advantage. And the only place that it's not is with the labor, like you said, but we're going to use a lot less of it, but still impact hundreds and hundreds of jobs in each community that we that we uh, launch in, and, and we're very excited by that.
4: Yeah, so Bill, it seems to me that that vertical integration that you have, the automation, the ability to be able to mill your own flour right there, that would seem that p- new machines, the advantage you would have would be cleanliness, speed, which also means freshness, right? And, yeah. and automation, which just means more productivity, so it helps to control costs. And a USA made product is always the best I mean you're making me hungry here I got to get another startup going so I can put that <laughs> mac and cheese as well in there but uh, <laughs> it, it seems like that's the way to go but I was going to ask another question around that one of the things that we always have you know we where audience is always asking hiring people so you're building these plants how are you going about hiring people and do you need a certain skill set for this or do you find these are these are real more of the uh, you know uh, excuse the term, bread and butter workers that are around the country. So you're actually making jobs in the U.S., right? Well, it's a, a, another great question. I can tell you
3: that we've been fortunate in that we have a few human resource folks that are uh, entrenched in their communities. And uh, we do job fairs, certainly for some positions, or we well, we do for all positions. I mean, these are all fresh, brand new jobs. And so there's ample opportunity. So we'll, ho- we'll host uh, job fairs. We'll you know, different ways to let the communities know that we are hiring. We'll certainly uh, do some sort of social media as well. We also have plant management that, you know, that have experience in the food industry. And so they'll have some folks that are, you know, specific to what we're doing that might be a little bit of a benefit. But, you know, to your point, we're not requiring for some of our positions, we will be doing the training. And so these are great, you know, jobs for people to learn a new skill to, you know, to get into the food industry. And one of our passions in our company is to, you know, integrate, to uh, promote from within. And so, you know, if you start out as a line worker or somebody, you know, in sweeping the floors, there's no reason that you can't work your way up. If you have dedication and and you do what's, you know, necessary, the opportunity to reach a very high level in our company exists. So you're building well, the American dream for your employees. It's a great deal. Absolutely, because that's what we believe in. That's what I believe in. I mean, myself, I grew up. Uh, rather poor and, and you know, worked hard and had, you know, I've had successes and failures, but I've had some significant opportunities. And I realized in my life, and one of my passions is to share what I've learned. And certainly hard work, tenacity, never stopping, always moving forward is, for me anyway, has been a recipe for success. And I'd love to, you know, impart that wisdom on others. And certainly in our team and, you know, our family of employees, that's going to be, uh, you know, one of the main themes. And, you know, people that are, you know, dedicated and hardworking and want to, you know, improve and have a better life for their families, we're going to support that all the way through.
4: Let's face it, today, people have lost a lot of that, a lot of that, what I like to call the American entrepreneurship, that people want to work for companies that, that really want to bring the employees up. They also want to work for companies that are USA-based because they feel that there's going to be more base, more growth in the U.S. rather than a lot of companies that just have branches here, ship their money overseas, don't really want you to get better, want to, you know, to work at the lowest wage. So I I think what you're doing is is great for community and also great for the market. So to me, it's a winning situation and exactly what the entrepreneurial spirit that a lot of our listeners, you know, want to have. It's like getting started, building this business and, you know, making it successful. I have one more question for you before I turn it over to Brian. It's it's really quite simple, but it you know it it might take you off guard. So when you're doing this and you're you're looking at this and you're saying I have you know you wake up in the morning and you have this epiphany. This is the noodle we're going to build. Does that happen to you, or do you normally go to customers and say, you know, what would you like to see? What's your development process for a new product? Well, you know, at my core, it's about making a difference. At my core,
3: it's about approaching particularly food where there's you know a lot of food insecurity in the US. And so I've always taken the approach of coming up with something that is either healthier, better, cheaper and finding a way to get that to market. And so that's where we start. Now the passion that we have with noodles, what we've noticed and what, you know, I had in college and most of us I'm sure did in high school and college, is you'd have that ramen cup and or bowl and it would you know not be very If you had a a couple of them in a day, I mean, you'd have enough sodium for a week. So that never rang true to me. So one of our passions or my passion, what we start the day with, is how can we make it better? How can we get to our marketplace and still make it affordable? We look at that every single day. We want to have a healthy product for our consumers, and we need to be and will be one of the largest brands in the country. So we always look forward. We always take an approach of how can we create you know a noodle that has the flavor profile and the texture and the you know the quality the the you know the taste that people enjoy and so we put a lot of work into that from the flavoring the same thing but we're also looking at flipping the script a little bit we're looking at uh, you know like i said a sweeter profile a healthier profile looking at it from a plant-based perspective yes we go into every day thinking this very same thing and how can we be most efficient some of these things aren't easy to answer. Some of these things you just don't know. You have to find them and take that journey. You know, the importing versus domestic production is a big question for a lot of folks, and that's not an easy answer all the time. I tell you, it requires a lot to get to that point. And we finally reached the point that, you know, it is the right step for our, our company in particular. I mean, not everybody can do what Tesla does and, and bring in machine parts during COVID and, you know, bring in, in on airline. You know, they can afford to right. do it. Most people can't. So, you know, we had to be realistic about that. And there were just every advantage, everything pointed to us, to U.S. production. And we're you know, we know it's the right path. And, you know, again, I've been very blessed. I've got a team of people that are that are involved in the company that are as good as, as, as exists. And we all have the same philosophy. And we're a company that, you know, once you're in at Albany Farms, you're going to grow. And that's our passion and just have some terrific jobs.
1: Your company name is Albany Farms. The ramen noodles that you're selling, are they under Albany Farms or are they on a different name? And if so, why?
3: Yeah, so our brand is Panda Signature. I spent two years in when I was doing international commodities in China. And in Asia, Panda is a very, it's a big name. It's an important name. It's one that's revered. And in the ramen space, we felt that that was a really good brand to launch with. We have other brands as well, but that's certainly one of our core brands. And uh, we think that in the ramen category, because the ramen is, comes from an Asian background, that that would be you know a really good name to launch with. And uh, as I said before, you'll find it in chains such as, uh, say, Walmart and, and others. So we're really excited about that. We think the brand uh, the brand name was correct.
1: If you want to bring in other people to your company to help out, you know, bring in money to fund things. What would be the approach that you would take?
3: great question. For anybody that's looking for investment, I guess one of the things, the first things I would say is be prepared because you're going to be knocking on a lot of doors, a lot of doors and have a lot of rejection. So be very prepared for that. And, you know, much like my attitude is, you know, you keep going, you know, to be a bit more specific and precise, if you could find investors that are in your space or understand your space. You know, I think if you're going to like I'm in the food business, if you're talking to somebody in the tech industry, we kind of talk different languages because they're used to, you know, the upside of being incredible upside that really isn't in the food business. But certainly from a stability and safety standpoint, it might be a little bit different as well. So, you know, you have to find or you know the the goal is to find like minded investors that understand the space. And particularly right now, right now, it's challenging, I'm sure for a lot of folks. And unless you happen to be Ethereum or Dogecoin or, or you know, in the cryptocurrency space or, or you know, some of the different uh, stocks that you can invest in that are just shorting them and things like that. You know, people are getting these, you know, reading about these insane returns, you know, of, you know thousands of percent and all of that. Well, you know, when you're dealing with a food company that's uh, 12 to 15% e, but it's a little less uh, exciting to some folks, at least right now. But you know, my argument to that has always been, and always will be, you know, from a safety standpoint, you know, we will be here and be here for a long period of time, and with a brand name that's known across the country. And to me, there's some significant value there. And in that other space, you know, it's beyond my pay grade. But I mean, who knows, right? It's a certainly a gamble when you get into those other things. And I think the food space is a lot less of that.
1: Did you pick food maybe because it was such a safe area and you didn't have to worry about the fact that, hey, listen, everybody's going to need to eat, so you don't have to worry about that?
3: Well, you know, the truth is I've always been related to food, whether it's in commodity or finished packaged goods. And, and I've come to learn late in life, it's from my childhood. My childhood, there was some food insecurity for our family growing up. And, you know, I didn't realize it, but, you know, so I always gravitated towards that. As I mentioned earlier, I left college to buy a bakery distribution run. Well, it was in bread.
1: <laughs> Thank you very much. You're listening to KHS 1220 and 98.1 FM. Thank you very much. Have a great
4: week.
0: Thank you for tuning in to the Ask Brian radio show. You can listen to us every Thursday on KTHS AM 1220 and FM 98.1 or via Facebook Live or anytime wherever you listen to your podcasts. Visit askbrian.com to join the conversation and ask us your business questions and we'll answer them on our next episode. That's ask B-R-I-E-N.com.